Father God, we come before you this morning to worship you and to be in your presence. We lift your name up in praise. We thank you for your awesomeness. We just welcome you here this morning, Father. I ask you to touch each life and each household that's watching this morning. I thank you that we can come before you, that you want to be with us. I just ask now that you bless this time in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let the exile come. Let the stranger come. Let the weary come find All you homeless sons, all you widowed ones, all you poor and dispossessed, for a table waits in your Father's house, where the meek can come and eat, there's a place of rest at your Father's breast, where his mercy cry ring out from a broken nation, from a people who have been brought low. Was pride in our hearts? Did we grieve your spirits? Have we blocked the ancient wells that flow? Here is our covenant prayer. Who call upon tasted grace and we have known your mercy but we have not shown this grace to men here is our covenant prayer who call upon your name 
of safety be a light for all the nations of this earth. May your streams of love, may they flow here freely, here where every stranger finds a home. Here is our covenant prayer, who call upon your
Amen. Lord, that's our prayer this morning, that we would be drawn nearer to your throne, Lord, nearer to you. And we come today with all kinds of thoughts in our minds and concerns on our hearts, but we know that you, Lord, are the solution to all of life's problems. You're the answer to all of our questions. You are the peace that we need in this time of chaos and anxiousness. Your power is the power that we need, Lord. God, we need you. We need all of your power to be on display for us, your people, your inheritance, Lord. That's who we are. We are your inheritance. I thank you for that. Lord, we're going to join our hearts today in a unified effort to worship you and lift up and exalt your name, and we will choose to enter into your presence and experience all of your goodness and glory, Lord. You invite us to come, and so we choose to enter in. Hear the word of the Lord, Psalms 60. O God, you have cast us off. You have broken us down. You have been displeased. Oh, restore us again. You made the earth tremble. You've broken it. Heal its breaches, for it is shaking. You have shown your people hard things. You've made us drink the wine of confusion. You have given a banner to those who fear you that it may be displayed because of the truth. Give us help from trouble, for the help of man is useless. But through God, we will do valiantly for it is he who shall tread down our enemies. So Lord, this morning, we acknowledge that we have issues. Each of us have issues, personal issues. We have family issues. We have financial and uh, physical and emotional issues. Lord, we struggle with lots of things, but yet we understand that you, Lord, are the answer. And our nation has all this difficulty and strife and cries of racism and politicizing events that maybe should or shouldn't be, but Lord, we know that you are the answer to those things as well. Our help is not in the power of men, but it is in your power, Lord. So this morning, we cry out to you on the behalf of this nation, Lord, that you not only heal us physically, from this virus and you deliver us from that, but Lord, that you'd heal us emotionally and spiritually so that we could love, that we could serve, that we could get along, that we could quit speaking ugly, hateful things to one another and thinking those things, but we would begin to love and see others the way you see us, Lord. It's people that you care about, people that you treasure, Lord. Whether we agree or disagree politically or, or about doctrines or about anything else in life, Lord, you want us to love one another. In this nation, Lord, we repent. We confess that we have failed to love and serve like we ought. Heal us, Lord. Change us. Cause us to be able to love one another the way that you want us to. Lord, you help us to see each other the way you see us and to begin to see the value and the worth in every human, Lord, because they are so valuable to you. We want to see them like you do. We want to hear them like you do, Lord. We want to respond to them like you do. Well, heal this nation, Lord. We've already sang about it. Come and heal this land. 
because you, Lord, are a place that's safe for us to come to. We can experience your grace and your goodness and your blessing and favor. Lord, speak to us now, each one of us. Stir our hearts and challenge us and change us in your presence. Come and be with us now. Have your way. In Jesus' name, as we worship you.
Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. Change my heart, oh
Lord, I thank you today that it is only through your blood that we can be healed. It's only through your blood, Lord, that we can be made whole. It's only through your blood that we can enter into your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your great provision for us so that we can enter in. And not only that, but you call us. You say, come. Come, all you that are weary and are heavy laden. Come and sit with me. I have a table laid out before you. Come and enjoy the feast. Come and enjoy my presence. Come and enjoy all that I have to offer. That's what you say to us, Lord, every moment of every day. You invite us to come. Oh, God, help us to have a heart. A heart for you, a heart that understands your ways, Lord, that we would see beyond our, our struggles, see beyond all the things that, that we don't understand or know clearly and know this one thing more than everything else is that you call us, you love us, you're begging us to come. Your love has come after us. You sought us, you pursued us, you never gave up on us. Thank you, Lord, that you're inviting us to come you're inviting us to enter into your presence where we can experience the fullness, your love and your mercy and your grace, your glory, your goodness, Lord, that abounds towards us. Oh, Lord, I don't want to ever be afraid to come. Help me to run to you. When I stumble and fall, help me to rush to you because that's where I can be healed and made whole and forgiven and cleansed. Lord, when I lose my way, help me to rush back to you because you're the one that puts my feet on a path that is for the good, Lord. When I don't know where to go, Lord, help me to rush to you because you lead me by the hand just like you led your people into the promised land, Lord. You have a full and abundant, overflowing life for us if we'll just walk with you hand in hand, step by step, day by day, allowing you to pour out your goodness and grace on us. Lord, God, we need you. I need you, Lord, more than ever. In these challenging times we're in now, Lord, we need you. We need you to speak those words of life to us, Lord, that we would hear your voice. Know your words, know your heart, Lord, and see that you have, a, you have a plan for each one of us, Lord. We want to see you in everything that's going on, Lord. We know you never cease to work on our behalf, even though we don't always see it or understand it. We know you're working for us, for good. You want to bring good in our lives and to our lives and through our lives so that we can bless and be a part of blessing others, Lord. Oh, Lord, help us to get our eyes on you. And we do place our trust in you, Lord. In all these challenging times we're in, Lord, we place our trust in you, in your healing power, your provision, Lord, to cleanse and protect, to heal and restore your power to deliver this land, Lord, from the virus and from that, that awful virus that's in people's hearts, Lord, that's causing people to be filled with hatred and ugliness, 
Lord, help us to restore civility that we could talk to each other and love one another the way that we should. Let us as your people, Lord, those who are called by your name, rise up. Be the body of Christ, that we will be the light in the darkness. We'll be the salt. Lord, that we would season everything so that it wouldn't be so radical and filled with strife, but it would be loving and kind and gentle, filled with peace, mercy and goodness. Lord, that we'd be patient and we'd look beyond what we see on the outside and we'd see deep, deep within people and see their, their value and their worth because of what you say about them, Lord. We need you, Lord. Only you can change this. We sang that, change my heart, oh God. We only can be changed by you, Lord. It's not through, it's not through information. It's not through politicians. It's not through laws. It's not through stimulus checks. It's not through anything except your great grace, Lord. We need to be changed, but it's only going to happen in you. So we press into you, Lord. We call on you. Speak those words of life over us now, Lord. We need you. Wherever you are right now, whatever struggles you have, hear the voice of the Lord speaking to you. He's saying, peace, be still. He's saying, as your faith is, so be it. He's saying, love one another. Seek me first in my kingdom. All these other things will be added to you. So, Lord, with that in mind, we trust you, Lord. We press into you because we know that you are going to be our provider. You're going to be our healer. You're going to be our deliverer. You're going to be the one who heals this land as we seek you, Lord. And as we put you and your kingdom first, we as your people confess and repent that we've not always done that. We confess and repent that we've not always loved and been patient and kind and gentle like we should, that sometimes we've thought and said things that were, that were not your thoughts or your heart, Lord. So forgive us for that and cleanse us. Let us rise up and be your body a body of people that would love and serve with humility and, and a unity like never before. Because as we do that, Lord, your power will be loosed on this nation to bring healing, change. Lord, we cry out to you to stir our hearts and change us, oh God. Change the path of this nation, Lord. Touch our leaders, heal and forgive and cleanse them, Lord, and protect them and give them wisdom. Or only in you, Lord, can we find the way. We are desperate, Lord, for you and your provision and care. Lord, we turn to you. We ask that you heal and forgive us and cleanse us, Lord, so that we would be a nation that honors you again. Put a burden on our hearts, Lord, that we would lament and mourn over the condition of your people, that we would lament and mourn over the condition of this nation and that we will be drawn to intercede in prayer on a regular basis all throughout the day, every day, that we be called to fasting and praying over 
the brokenness of this land, Lord, the brokenness of your body, your people, those that are called by your name. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers this morning. Speak to us through your word. Speak to us through words of encouragement, Lord. As we look outside and we see the sunshine, help us to see, Lord, and know that you are the light of the world. And you came into the world to bring light that would overcome, overthrow the darkness, Lord. And we receive that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. All righty then. The Lord is good. And I'm telling you, he's good all the time, whether you know it or not, or you see it or not, or you experience what you think is his goodness or blessing. It really doesn't matter because it's still going on all the same, whether you know it or not. God is good, and he is out to do good for us and in us and through us all the time. Some of you are attending uh, because you have to be here for various reasons. Thank you for your service. Thank you for those that are watching, and uh, I thank you for being faithful in your, your tithes and offerings. We don't talk about money a lot, but, you know, God has been really faithful during all this time, not just in our body, but in, in uh, our whole district in Foursquare. Uh, there, there really aren't financial needs. God has been, been faithful, and people are, are doing fine. Offerings are stable, even though people are are not coming in person. Um, I just want to thank you for that. That's, uh, that shows that you have a heart for the Lord and that you're listening, and it's not about coming and getting browbeat into giving. It's about just doing what pleases you, and I thank you for that. So we've been talking about uh, wounds of the soul, and I think we're in part 10 this week. And again, we're going to be talking about something that's near and dear to my heart because, you know, each time I prepare one of these things, the Lord speaks to me about things in my own life, and that's sort of, sort of how I go about preparing uh, the things that I'm going to speak about is how God is dealing with me and what I, I feel like He deals with me about things. I figure it's good for you, too. So uh, this week we're going to talk about judgments and accusations. Woohoo! That's a real feel-good topic, isn't it? So, uh, but I think it'll be good because uh, no pain, no gain is what to say, right? So when you when you experience uh, the Lord speaking to you about something that brings a revelation about an area in your life that needs to be dealt with or changed, it might be a little painful at first, but then when you begin to realize that it's for your good and you embrace that, then you'll see that God can do something uh, really wonderful in your life, and you'll be better for it. So I want to pray this morning over this word because I believe we need to have a heart to hear. So Lord, this morning, as we discuss this topic, I, I just ask that you help each one of us to have an open mind and an open heart that we would be willing to receive what you're saying to us, Lord, that we wouldn't resist we wouldn't have a preconceived idea about what we're going to talk about. We wouldn't have a notion that we already know that. 
or that we understand that we've already fixed all those problems and that's not an issue. Lord, I pray that each one of us would be open to hear your voice, your living, powerful word, Lord, as it pierces into our very hearts and minds and soul and spirit and you touch and change us. Speak life into us, Lord, this morning through your word. Give us a heart and a mind and an ear to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. In Matthew 7, <clears throat> Jesus said, Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, you have a plank that's in your own eye. You hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, I just want to use that as a starting place, because I want you to understand how serious it is that when we judge, and that basically means to scrutinize, examine, and to the furthest extent of that, to pronounce sentence, to actually take it to the point of not just saying that situation is wrong or that person is a loser, but we, we actually sentence them. They're a loser and they're worthy of whatever punishment you're putting on them. I'd like to remind you that God says judgment is mine. I will repay. So if there's any payment to be done, let's let God take care of it because he is the only one that can do it justly. And he does things justly. And believe me, if you think somebody needs to be punished, let God do it because he can do it way better than you can. And by the way, when you choose to punish them yourself, we just read it, the very same way that you punish is the way you're going to be punished. The way that you judge, the way you measure it out. So if you, you measure it out in five-gallon bucketfuls, that's the way it's going to be coming back on you. If you measure it out in teaspoonfuls, that's the way it's going to be coming back on you. I don't really like judgment. So I want to use a small measuring stick. I don't want to use the big ones. You know, I don't want a dump truck load. I want a teaspoonful or less. And the way, that, the way it works, and we're going to talk about some things, but you, know, you think and then you speak. You think, and then you speak. And the whole point of this whole series we've been in about wounds of the soul is that we would understand that our inner man, our soul, our mind, will, and emotion, that's who we are, basically, it's, it is being changed. So we've spent our whole life from birth, which we, we receive things in birth, and then as we're growing up, every time we stub our toe, every time some older kid shoves us down, or every time some adult puts us down and says, you know, that's a dumb answer. Would you, don't you know any better than that? Every time something like that happens to you, a parent might say to you, if you don't do better than that, you're never going to be worth anything. You're never going to accomplish anything if you don't change your ways. When those sort of things happen to us, they leave wounds in our soul. They hurt us. They affect us, and those hurts stay with us until we present them to the Lord and get healed. Now, when you come to the Lord 
and you ask Him to forgive you and come live in your heart, the Bible says that we become a new creation. That's new birth. We are a new creation. But our soul, who we are, it has memories. It has those wounds that are there. And those are opportunities for the enemy, the devil, to just hang on. And even though we've been forgiven, I'm not saying that those things are going to send you to hell, but they're just they're things that cause you to think and act and speak and react in certain ways. And I've, I can identify points in my life where uh, somebody said or did something to me, and then later I find myself reacting to those conditions you know, from other people, and I, I react the same way. Those same hurts, they come back and they're alive again. One time, my brothers and sisters, we were all in a car, and I was probably five or six years old, I don't know, and uh, we were at a gas station, and just as a joke, they said, hey, Terry, go ask that man over there to give you some free bubble gum. You know, I was just a dumb kid. I didn't know either. Hey, can I have some free bubble gum? It's like, you know, free bubble gum, kid. Get out of here. You know, and I was, I was really hurt by that, you know. And I mean, for a long time, I was afraid to go to a stranger and ask a question or talk to him. It's like, I don't want to get treated like that again. And you have situations like that in your life where someone hurt you. Maybe a friend, you know, betrayed you. Maybe people said ugly things behind your back at, in the, at work or even in church. You know, unfortunately, those that love us, and supposedly they care the most for us are the ones that can hurt us the, the deepest. So we've all got those things in our lives. And so the point of all this whole series is we're trying to identify the different areas that maybe the enemy still has a root or a place, a piece of ground within your heart and life that he's occupying. And we need to see that and we need to root it out and be healed of it. So this whole thing about judgment is pretty serious. Because the way that we do it is the way that we're going to receive it. Now, in Exodus 17, there's a story. And I want to, I'm going to use some Old Testament stories today to kind of give you an idea about how this works. And there's, you, know, there's, you could find lots and lots of them, but I'm just going to go with a couple. Exodus 17 says, All the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin according to the commandment of the Lord, and they camped in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Ooh, no water. And they were in a kind of a desert place, you see, so uh, that was kind of a big deal. Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, why is it that you brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? See, they were judging Moses. And they were actually grumbling and complaining and judging the Lord. They were saying, you're not strong enough or big enough. You can't take care of us like you said you could. We're out here. We're on our own now. And they were judging Moses and saying, you deceived us. You lied to us. You made us all these promises, and now you're, you're failing. So Moses cried to the Lord and said, What shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. By the way, I believe that God wants 
He wants every time that he's going to do something, he wants to have some of the leaders be part of that so that you're understanding how things work in the spiritual realm. You know, it's not just the pastor that's supposed to do stuff. It's not just the president of Foursquare that's supposed to do stuff. It's not just Jack Hayford or Billy Graham. I mean, we, when God is moving, we all need to be seeing what he's doing. And all the people involved in teaching and training and leading in various ministries, you need to be along and see how God is moving. And listen to what he says here. So take with you some of the elders of Israel and also take with you in your hand the rod with which you struck the river and go. And behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Oreb. And you shall strike the rock and water will come out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And so he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the contention of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Now, I've never actually used those words, but I've got to admit, there have been times where I've kind of wondered, God, are you really there? Are you really, really going to take care of me? Just being honest, I expect we've all had moments where it's like, wow, you know, um, it just, the things keep happening. I was talking with someone just recently, and they said, you know, going through this hard time, and I was thinking, man, just you know, all I can do, and then one more thing. It makes you wonder, what, what's up with that, you know? Just, is it ever going to quit? Is it ever going to get any better? And Lord, where are you? And it's okay to have a doubt. You know, we're humans. Is it good to have doubts? No. When you have a doubt, does God say, that's it, beat it, you know? I don't want anything to do with it. No. Because he understands that we're humans. He understands that we're frail. And he invites us to come to him. And when we have doubts, he says, look, just stand still and see what I'm fixing to do. I love that song that we're singing, you know, just be still and know that I am. The word Massa and Meribah, those are two words that Moses used to name that place. Massa means temptation or test. Meribah means strife and contention. So the people were grumbling and complaining. They were accusing and uh, contending with the Lord and with Moses. By the way, uh, I've never really had a problem with any of you guys, but, uh, but just in case you want to grumble and complain, I would encourage you to reconsider because uh, complaining against God's uh, people is a bad thing. Uh, you don't want to complain against your, your leaders or your leadership. Uh, you really don't want to be complaining against the politicians, even the ones that you don't like, even the ones you disagree with. Instead of praying for them, I mean, instead of uh, complaining against them, you ought to be praying for them. So... I, I, I'm not saying any of this today because anybody's grumbling or complaining against me. I'm not, I'm fine. If you're grumbling, I don't know about it. I don't want to know about it. The Lord will deal with you on that. If you're grumbling and complaining, uh, it'll be okay. Just be healed. And then in Numbers 12, here's another incident. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because he evidently he took a wife that was an Ethiopian, and, you know, she wasn't from the children of Israel. 
I don't know why he did it. Maybe he did it just to see if everybody would, would uh, get upset. You know, who knows? But they got upset, and they began to, began to judge him. And this is what Miriam and Aaron said. Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Well, I'm just for you know, obvious reasons, God hears everything. He knows everything. But just think about that, though. They had the audacity to rise up and start saying, well, you know, he's not the only one that can lead. We could lead, too. And in every body of believers, you have people that God has put in charge to, to teach and preach and lead and lead worship and, you know, do different things. Those are all God-given responsibilities. God has appointed people, and the body has approved it. And then you got other people that come along saying, well, I could do that just as well as they could. I could do it better than they could. You know, God uses me too. I've got, I can give you a list of credentials. Look at all that I've done and accomplished in my life. Blah, blah, blah. You know, none of that matters. You may be the most qualified person, but it's who God has put in charge that's, that needs to be responded and respected because it's not about our talents or our gifts. It's about the anointing of the Lord. And the anointing of the Lord is because God has placed you there and you're operating within his placement. So in our body, again, I don't have a problem. Nobody's, nobody's trying to take over from me. Nobody's trying to, you know, circumvent leadership or anything. But just, you know, just so you'll know, not, again, it's not good to complain. It's not good to grumble and murmur. If you got an issue, go speak to the person that's in charge and see if you can't work it out. But don't, don't grumble and complain. So the Lord heard their complaint. Now, the next section here is really important. It says, Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. So, he wasn't a proud guy. He wasn't a guy who was likely to defend himself. He was a guy that would, he was very humble. But he was a man, and he was subject to uh, temptations and passions and, and things just like all of us. So the Lord spoke to him and said, Aaron and Miriam and Moses, y'all come out, the three of you, to the tabernacle meeting. So they came out. The Lord came down on the pillar of a cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and he called Aaron and Miriam and they went forward and he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to them in a vision. I speak to him in a dream, but not so was my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly, not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. And when the loud departed from the, above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous, as white as snow. And Aaron turned toward her, and there she was, a leper. And Aaron said to Moses, Oh, my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us, in which we have done foolishly and in which we have sinned. Please do not let her be as one dead, whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, Please heal her, O God, I pray. And he did. 
Now, the Bible doesn't really say, but I presume because she got leprosy, she must have been the instigator of all this. You know, Aaron, he must have been a, uh, he must have been kind of a mediocre leader because remember the golden calf? You know, hey, make us a calf. Okay, yeah. Miriam was complaining. Okay, let's complain. You know, he must have just gone along with most anything. Yeah, we just put all this gold in there and this calf came out. You know, I, I don't know how that happened. Uh, we just opened our mouths and those words came out. You know, I don't, I don't know. Well, it's what's in your heart and what comes out of your mouth. Now, another, another thing I want to share with you in Numbers 13. The Lord spoke to Mo Moses and he said, Send men out to spy the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. One from each of the tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them out according to the command of the Lord, the leaders from each tribe. And these were, I mean, they selected them. You know, I presume that Moses knew these men. And Moses said, okay, I'm choosing you to be a leader representing your tribe to go out and, and bring back a report about the land that God is going to give us. And he said, go up this way to the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land's like, whether the people are dwelling are strong or weak. They're few or many. Whether they land, they, the land they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or they're strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests or not, be of good courage. <clears throat> Bring some of the fruit of the land. So the time of the season was for first ripe grapes. And so they went. They departed and they came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel. They brought back word to them. And they showed them the fruit of the land. And then they told him, said, We went to the land where you sent us, and truly it flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified, very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, and the Amalekites. They dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. So they started all the negative talk. They, they started saying, you know, it's a great place, but wow, you know, we're, we're not going to be able to take it. They were already speaking all that negative. They were already making their judgments. And they're already beginning to make their accusations that God's not big enough. Even though he promised it to us, he's not going to be able to perform it. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. You know, this, I, I think about this. You know, you got, so you've got this big crowd of people, and these guys say, oh, yeah, it's a great place, but we've got all these problems. And everybody, oh, oh. And then Caleb, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, listen up. Give me your attention for just a minute. You know, I, I need to say something here. And then he gives his report. And he says, let's go up one, at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. I mean, he was all in. He was saying, let's go. We don't need to be talking all this negativity. Let's go do it. And the people, the other spies, the others that gave the bad report, they said, oh, no, 
We're not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. They gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land. They spied it out, but they gave them a bad report. And they said, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it are men of great stature. That's a lie. All the men we saw of great stature. They weren't all giants. See, you start getting that judgment. You start getting all worked up on all the, the wrong stuff, and then you begin to speak stuff that's not even true anymore. That's the way judgments work. It starts coming out of your heart. You get a little judgment, and you begin to think, and then you get more judgment, and then you begin to speak, and it just grows, and it grows. And the more you speak about it, the more judgment you build up in your heart, and the more you get out of whack, and the more you begin to bring bad reports and bad sayings from your mouth and judging and accusing and thinking all wrong. It devours its inhabitants, and all the people we saw in are men of great stature. And there we saw giants, the descendants of Anak. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. You know, I don't know that they ever even spoke or came into contact with them. They were going as spies. They were probably sneaking around, you know, sneaking around and, and looking. But it makes it sound like when they're giving this report, it makes it sound like we met them face to face and they said, you're a bunch of little bitty grasshoppers. Look at you. You're nothing but a figment of my imagination. Well, that's how judgment works, though. You begin to make these judgments and you begin to question, is what God said really true? Is his word really able to be trusted? Is his power really enough? The same old, it's the same old song and dance Satan has always used. And if he can get you to start questioning that, begin to work some judgment up in your heart, some accusations, you begin to judge and question if God really spoke that to the leader. You'll begin to judge and question, did, did those guys really say that? Did they really mean that? Did, is that really the way this is going to work? Am I really going to be who God said I was going to be? You begin to make these judgments. And when you make judgments, it affects the way you think and the way that you behave, the way you respond to people and circumstances. It affects everything about your life. Now, judgments, you know, there's multiple kinds of judgments spoken of in the Bible. The big one is God judging us in the end. When we stand before him on the day of judgment, for believers, it's going to be the great. Uh, it's going to be the judgment seat of Christ, and we we're going to receive rewards. For unbelievers, it's going to be the great white throne, where you basically are told, you know, you got to depart from me because you never knew me. So they're going to be sent to hell. Also, there are judgments from the Lord right now in our lives. There are judgments that are they're good. They're for our good, and we're all terrified of them. We we're, we're Afraid, we don't, man, it's like the last thing you want to pray is, judge me, God. That's because we don't understand that his judgments are true and they're righteous and they're just and they're for our good. But when we understand that his judgments are good, then we can say, judge me, Lord. Judge my heart. Check me out. Make sure there's no wicked way in me. Try me and know me. There's nothing to be afraid of when you present yourself to God. The worst thing is, that if you've asked for judgment and you will not respond, 
because then you put yourself in a position where you're opposing God and you're rebelling. And then in order to, to help you with what you've asked, he will continue with a little bit more severe and a little more stronger until he gets your attention. And I'm not saying that God's put sickness or disease on you. Or I'm just saying that things happen in your life. God allows them to happen because he uses all the events of our lives for his good. And he works them for his good and our good so that we can be changed, to be like him. So the judgments of the Lord are good. We ought to embrace them. There's other judgments also in Scripture. You know, we are told to judge between right and wrong. We're told that we are to discern the spirits and test the spirits and try things. We can also judge people in the sense that we can tell if they're believers or not by the type of fruit that they have in their life. But that doesn't make us a fruit inspector, and it doesn't give us the authority to go out and just begin to judge everyone around us and say, well, they're no good, or they're less than me, or I'm better than they are. That is all wrong. The only kind of judgment we need to be doing with relation to other people is how can we help them grow in the Lord how can we hear from God so that we can pray for them, we can encourage them, we can share the word of the Lord with them, we can be there to support them. Any kind of judgment that you have towards a believer, it needs to be pure, or you're going to be finding yourself opposing God and being contrary to what God is wanting to work in our lives. So we need to be really careful about judging one another. We really don't ever need to be judging one another but we do have the ability to look at, at situations and circumstances and say, this is right or this is wrong. We need to make a correction here. Need to bring some instruction here. That's the kind of judgment that's okay. As far as looking at people and judging them, you better be really careful about that. So, they, um, people, judged what God was saying to them, and they evidently came to the conclusion that he wasn't big enough. And then, not only that, but they began to judge Caleb and uh, Joshua because they were given a good report. And it says that Caleb and Joshua, you know, they're trying to encourage them. Man, we don't, let's don't do this. Let's, let's go take the land. And it says that the people actually said, let's stone these guys. That's pretty serious. I mean, they were wanting to kill the two guys that were just speaking the truth. And in this life, by the way, you will have experiences when you speak the truth that people will want to stone you, you know, maybe not physically, but uh, verbally. They'll want, to, they'll want to put you down. They'll want to say bad things about you because people don't always respond to the truth very well doesn't change the truth, but they, they might not respond to the truth very well. So uh, the people, they just missed everything. And because of that, uh, then they experienced some really negative circumstances. God said, you guys are not going to get to enter in. All of you that are uh, buying into this, you're going you're gonna to have to suffer because of your, your rebellion and your disobedience. And all the congregation, they, uh, I mean, they, 
They were rebels, much like we are sometimes. I don't think we're quite this bad, but um, maybe in our hearts. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and they cried. And the people wept that night. Now, I'm telling you, they weren't, they weren't weeping because they were sorry they weren't going to go into the land. They were weeping because they were sorry that they'd believed Moses and they'd followed him out into the desert. And now they were stuck with the problems. And they said, if only we had just died in the land of Egypt. Or if only we had just died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword so that our wives and our children should become victims? Wouldn't it not have been better for our sisters? Shouldn't we just return to Egypt? They said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. I mean, they, they were just full-blown rebellion. Moses has been the leader that's got them out of the bondage in Egypt. He's led them through the desert, and they go through all that, and they make it to the promised land, and they get a little discouragement, and then it's like, oh, man, let's select another leader. That's the way the enemy works. You know, he's relentless about that kind of stuff. And I, I believe that we ought to just follow what God says, and all the distractions and all the problems, all the things, maybe things don't go well. Don't, every time something goes wrong, don't start saying, let's choose another leader. Let's, let's take a different path, a path or let's, let's choose another route or let's do something different. You know, there's going to be struggles in life. Would you acknowledge that there are struggles in life? You know, God never said, when you come to me, I'm going to make everything perfect. Matter of fact, he pretty much promised, you know, in this life there will be tribulation, there will be struggles, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. That's the hope, is that we don't have to be under all those things, we can be victorious even through those things. But you got those things to go through. And so every time you see opposition, every time you have a problem, a little discouraging word or a little discouragement, a setback, you know, you, you can't just give up and say, okay, I got to go to plan B now. I got to choose me a different leader. I got to go to a different church. You know, this guy, he's always preaching about our sins. We're going to go to a different church where we're getting some good, good news. By the way, getting free from your sins would be good news, wouldn't it? Um, you know, it, hearing, hearing things that cause you to change, it may not be all that pleasant while you're hearing it, but if it causes you to change for the good, you ought to embrace that. I mean, that's the way I pray every day, that the Lord would show me stuff and change me so that I can be more like him. So <clears throat> God punished him. He said, basically, he said, you guys, you, you rebels, you unbelievers, you know, you're not going to get to go to the promised land. But he said, the very ones that you were saying were going to be victims, they're going to enjoy it. You're not because you didn't believe. So you can read that story, and there's a lot of other points you can make. And then a little later, they, uh, they come, you know, they're going through the, the wandering in the desert for 40 years, and one of those times they come back around to the same place where they got the, the first murmuring and complaining because they didn't have any water and they needed water again. And the same thing. You would think they would learn, but no, same thing. No water. 
what are we going to drink? What are we going to do? And they started, they started getting all upset. And Moses and Aaron went and prayed. And, and the Lord told them, go speak to the rock, and it will bring forth water. And Moses took the rod, and he went. And this is really sad, but I would just say to you that we're all human, and we all have a point where we kind of reach, like, exasperation with various circumstances in our life. I would like to say that I'm mature enough in the Lord that I never reach that point or I never respond that way, but I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not there yet. I'm better than I used to be, but I'm not where I ought to be. And Moses was just a man. He was a godly man. But I think he pretty much just had it about right up to here with the people of Israel. You know, I mean, constantly complaining and grumbling and doubting. And so he, he spoke something that he shouldn't have. He said, Hear now, you rebels. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? I mean, I think this is really just him just being frustrated and exasperated, just like, golly, you know, you bunch of bullheads. I've been out here all these years leading you, and everything's gone well, and now you're doing it to me again. I just can't take it anymore. I've done that. Maybe it's with a grandkid, or maybe it's with a spouse, or maybe it's a coworker, or maybe it's, you know, somebody on the telephone. Um, I don't do it very often anymore, but on the inside, I am, sometimes I am burning mad and thinking of all kinds of things that I ought to be saying, and on the outside, I usually can keep my cool enough that I don't just blurt it all out. But every now and then, just the right circumstance, and it's like, uh, you know, you just you let something out, and then it's like, ooh, I wish I could take that back. You can't take it back, unfortunately. You can't unsay words. <laughs> Hebrews 3, 7 says, Therefore, the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me and tried me. They saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said they will always go astray in their heart they have not known my ways, so I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, while it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of, the, out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wildernesses? And to whom did he swear they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So you have to believe what God says. 
And you have to respond to what God says the correct way. It's what is in your heart that comes out of your mouth. In Proverbs 19, it says, A a disreputable witness scorns justice, and the mouth of the wicked devours iniquity, and judgments are prepared for scoffers, beatings for the backs of fools. If you don't think right, you're not going to speak right. And when you're guilty of judging and accusing, whether it's people or God, or situations or circumstances that you ought not be judging or accusing, then you're setting yourself up to receive judgments and accusations back. Matthew 5, Jesus said, You have heard said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, Whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Whoever says to his brother, Rocker, or you empty-headed idiot, you'll be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool, you'll be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. And first, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, the judge hand you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. And assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there until you have paid the last penny. So he's talking about judgments. In your heart, if you have judgment in your heart, if you're thinking, if you're angry, if you're saying and accusing, It's going to come back on you. Sorry, it's like unforgiveness. If you don't forgive, you're not going to be forgiven. And right here, he says it again. He said, you're going to be in prison until you pay every penny of the debt. And what is the debt? The debt is the unforgiveness and the judgment that you've been putting out on other people. When you judge other people, you're going to be judged. I'm, I'm convinced. The Bible says that when a man's ways please the Lord, it causes even his enemies to be at peace with him. But when you're guilty of judging, then you're going to have conflict with those people that you're judging. They might not know that you've done anything, but in the spiritual realm, I'm telling you, there is something that happens. There is a transaction that's going on. When you're guilty of judging, it's coming back on you. I mean, it's like a law. There is going to be a recompense against you when you're judging and accusing. And I can show you why. A good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, they don't gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. That's in Luke 6. And in that passage, he talks about don't judge. Because if you, if you don't judge, you won't be judged. And if you don't condemn, you won't be condemned. If you forgive, you'll be forgiven. 
Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And then he goes on and he talks about the, the log and the speck in people's eyes and how that works. So if you judge and you're very judgment, you're very critical, you're very accusative, or you, when you begin to speak that way and think that way about people, then that's the way people are going to think and speak about you. Because what's in your heart is what's coming out of your mouth. What's in your heart is the way you begin to think. And you begin to, you'll begin to even misinterpret circumstances. You'll look at life and you'll say, well, that person did this to me. That person didn't do anything to you. But you, you're all twisted up. And you can't see clearly. You can't see right because you got that judgment. It's like blinders on your eyes and you can't see anything accurately or correctly. God wants our hearts to be pure. And that's what he said, right? Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. If your heart's not pure, you're not going to see God. All you're going to see is bitterness and anger and judgment and ugliness. You look at people, instead of seeing someone that, that is kind and gentle, you're going to be fault-finding and nitpicking and talking about all the weaknesses or problems in their life. Who wants to be like that? It's a miserable existence to be always finding fault and accusing and grumbling and complaining and judging. John 12, Jesus said, If anyone hears my words and does not believe him, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Jesus didn't come to judge the world. Why should we think that we're supposed to be judging the world? If Jesus said, I came to save the world, not judge the world, we ought to be like him. In John 8, Jesus talking to the woman that was taken in adultery, and all the accusers were there, and they condemned her, and they said, she ought to be stoned. What do you say? And Jesus said, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Colossians 4 says, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open a door to us for the word. To speak the mystery of Christ, for which I'm also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. And he says, Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. Redeeming the time, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So you see, we're going about our lives every day, all day long, doing things, talking to people, interacting with Christians and non-Christians, and we're supposed to be doing all that with grace. Or our hearts would be filled with grace and that our words would be seasoned so that they come out and they do good for people, not harm. That we not be judging and accusing and therefore speaking bad things against people. Why, you rotten, no good, how, you know, I just, and I'm, I'm guilty of that. I say, I say all kinds of stuff that I shouldn't say about people and I'm, I'm working really hard to try to be different. Because things irritate me. When things irritate me, I start letting that judgment rise up, you know, and I start wanting to talk about it. I got the, I got the running the mouth disease, you know. You, you want to talk about it. Something's on your heart, it's on your mind, you're thinking about it, so you want to talk about it. 
something aggravates you, you want to talk about it. I disagree with those politicians, I want to talk about it. I disagree with what so-and-so did, or man, was that really a dumb thing to do, and I want to talk about it. How about if I just would not talk about that and talk about how much good God wants to work in that politician or in that person's life or how much wisdom God wants to give them, how I can maybe help them or encourage them instead of accusing them of being ignorant, maybe I could help them be not so ignorant. Be part of the solution instead of the problem. James talks a lot about, about the tongue and bridling your tongue. And the thing is, it's just, it's the symptom of the problem. The sickness is what's in your heart. But what comes out of your mouth is the bitterness that's in your heart. It's the anger that's in your heart. It's the frustration, the exasperation, just like Moses. Why, you bunch of rebels? You know, I'm going to have to fix your problem again. You know, we all get frustrated with life. There are things that just we don't like. There are things that work us, things that cause us grief. But God wants to heal us from that. Just because that's the way we, we have been, that doesn't mean that's the way we're always going to be. How many of you like the way you are right now? Do you want to be like you are right now forever? No. I want to be changed. I want to be more like Him. Every day I want to be changed. Every day I want to be more like Him. I want to speak words of life. When Jesus was talking to His disciples, they, something came up and, and He said, Are you going to leave me too? And they said, No. Where else would we go? You're the only one that have the words of life. We're supposed to have words of life too. When we speak to people, it's supposed to bring life and health and wholeness. It's not supposed to bring pain and sorrow and rejection and, and anger and frustration. We need to be speaking life to people. James says, if anyone among you thinks he's religious, but he doesn't bridle his tongue, he's deceiving his own heart, and his religion is useless. And then he says in James 2, Speak and do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to those who don't show mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. We need to be people of mercy because mercy triumphs over judgment. We don't want to be guilty of judging everybody all the time. We don't want to be guilty of accusing. You know who you're like when you accuse? You're like the devil because that's his name, the accuser of the brethren. And when you're speaking bad things against one of your brothers or sisters in the Lord, you're acting like the devil. Sorry, I know that's not really what you want to hear, but that's what the Word says. <laughs> mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's let God's mercy work in our hearts and lives so that, that we'll begin to respond that way. Every situation, that we let mercy be what drives us instead of judgment. And when someone does something that we don't like, instead of rising up and judging them and accusing them in our heart, and then we begin to say those things, how about we just let mercy overrule that, overthrow that, and let mercy come alive in us and say, yes, I love that person. I forgive that person. I see beyond their faults. Yeah, they're not perfect. Yeah, they're not the smartest, but I see that God loves them. Let's let God's mercy rise up in us, change us. It's only through His mercy and grace that we can be changed. James 3, he says, If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man or a complete man. He's able to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they'll obey us. 
We turn their whole body. And look, we have ships. We have a huge ship, and we use this little rudder. And the winds are blowing, but we can steer it because we got that little rudder. Even so, the tongue is a little member, but it boasts great things. It's like a, it can bring a great forest fire, even though it's a little bitty thing. The tongue is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body, and it sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. We have issues controlling our tongue. In worship team, y'all can come back. But what, here's what you got to remember, is that you can bridle your tongue. You don't have to just say everything that comes into your mind. I'm getting there slowly. Only 45 or 50 years worth of working at it, and I'm getting there. Don't mean to discourage you, but it's a lifetime journey. Some of us are a little more talkative than others. I'm trying to learn how to talk all the good stuff and not the bad stuff. James 4, getting down to the final, the final words here. Well, before we do that, let me, let me read this last part of James 3 that I wanted you to hear. It says, No man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Because with it we bless God and the Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude or likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. You don't want to be guilty of speaking evil or bad things against believers. Do you remember the promise that God made to Abraham? He said, In blessing I will bless you, and I will bless all those that bless you and curse those that curse you. And when we, when we say bad things about a believer, we're actually... We're actually cursing them. We are saying bad things. That's what a curse is. It's bad. And when you're speaking bad about another one of God's children, not a good thing. Because we're supposed to be blessing, not cursing. And you, you don't want to be guilty of speaking curses over God's people. And when you say bad things about God's people you're going to incur judgment from the Lord. And the same way that you do that is the way that you're going to receive it. So all the things that we've been talking about this morning, um, I, just, I just want to encourage you. We all struggle with our hearts. And the problem is that we've got these wounds in our soul. Our soul has these areas that we've been wounded. And we've got... We have built our whole lives thinking a certain way, being a certain way, responding a certain way. And some of those ways are wrong, and we need to let God heal us and change us. And so what I'm asking you today is, we, as we worship, I'm inviting you to, to ask the Lord, show me, 
Shine your light into me. Show me areas where I've, I'm guilty of judging, judging your people, accusing your people. Show me where I've judged politicians or leaders or where I've judged a friend or a family member or I've got unforgiveness or bitterness because of what someone did to me. I've judged them and I've spoken. I just relive that over and over again in my mind and I, and I talk about it because it's in my heart and my mouth speaks about it and I'm just spewing judgment all the time and accusations, reliving that circumstance and that pain. If that's you, then as we worship, I want you to identify those things and then we're going to pray that the Lord will set you free here in a minute. Let's worship. I'm 
wonderful things that the Lord may have shown you, people, circumstances in your life, events where you've had bitterness and anger and frustration and, and you've judged and you've accused and you've said words that were, they were just unholy, unrighteous and, and not uplifting or good. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to say things that edify and bless. We're supposed to speak well. Well, you got those things identified and so we're going to pray a simple prayer. Lord, I confess and I have judged and I've accused and I've spoken words that were, that were wrong. And I've repented of that. And I've believed and I've agreed with lies of the enemy. I've agreed with circumstances and hurts and wounds in me. And I've allowed them to dictate the way that I think, the way that I feel, the way that I respond, and the way that I speak. And I confess and repent from that, Lord. I don't want to be like that anymore. So I ask that you forgive me completely. Cleanse me. Wash me in your blood. Raise me up to newness of life, Lord, that I would be new in this area. That no longer would I judge and accuse. No longer would I say words of accusation or judgment or recounting of events that were negative in my life. But I will speak well. And I will say good things. And I will bless with my mouth those who have wounded me, those who have hurt me, those that I've had awed against. Lord, I want to bless those people now. Help me, Lord, to bless them. And I reject and renounce everything that I have done in this way, and I will be changed now in Jesus' name. Devil, you have no right or authority in me anymore. Go. Loose me in Jesus' name. So I will bless those who have sinned against me, those who have offended me, those who have hurt me. Lord, I speak well of them. I bless them with love and mercy. I bless them with your provision, your care. I bless them with your goodness. I bless them with increase in all that they have, Lord. Increase in their relationships. Increase in their ability to love and forgive. Increase in their finances. Those who have cheated and robbed and stolen from me, Lord, I bless them with increase in their finances. Those who have lied about me, I bless them with honesty and integrity of their heart. That they could speak the truth, Lord. Those who have said bad things behind me, I bless them with the ability to receive your love and forgiveness, Lord. I forgive and I bless them with your forgiveness. Heal me now in Jesus' name. Amen.
That's what I'm talking about right there. The Lord wants to make all things new. Today we talked about judgments and accusations, our heart being out of whack, but God wants to make that new in us. The Lord, we receive that today. We receive the newness that you're bringing to our hearts today in this area, Lord. Last week we talked about pride. The week before we talked about bitterness. This week we talked about judgments. Oh, God, you're changing us day by day, moment by moment. I thank you, Lord, that you're making us new. All things are being made new. And we're not content yet because we know we still need to be changed. So, Lord, shine your light into us. Keep revealing stuff so that we can change moment by moment and day by day as we seek you. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done today. Help us to go out and speak life and blessing favor to people all around us as we speak your word and your love over people. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his perfect peace. Go in Jesus' name, be blessed, and have a great week.